You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. I am your host, Al Melchior. Not to be too redundant about it. Uh, but it's not just me today. It's not just me even for this segment. For the whole show, you should know this by now. It's Tuesdays with Modica. So joining me here is Matt Modica. Matt, welcome back. Hey, how's it going today, Al? Happy tax day, I guess you say happy. Uh, yeah, well, uh, taxes are done. So it's, uh, I can't say it's a totally happy day, but it's it's all right. Yeah, same here. Unfortunately, I had to pay New York State, but we'll get a little back from federal. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, some good with the bad there. Um, what's made it a little bit better for me, Matt, is right before uh, the show here, just right before coming on air, uh, did my you know usual sort of last minute Twitter check, make sure that I'm getting every you know last drop of, of the breaking news and uh, didn't see that. Well, actually, there was one item that we'll get to, but uh, Darren Willman who uh, you know is the, the big stats guru uh, for uh, MLB and and uh, baseball savant and all that that great stuff? Uh, he tweeted out the leaderboard, the six top pitchers in terms of swing and miss rate, but he has it as a percentage of swings. And usually, when we cite it on the show, it's as a percentage of of total pitches. Pretty similar names, but. See, see if you can, you know, this is not a hard one, but, you know, figure out which one of these names is not like the others. Edwin Diaz is, t- is tops. Then Tommy Canely, Carl Edwards Jr., Shoei Otani, Pedro Araujo, and Adam Adovino. Well, uh, Arano is probably the guy people don't know that well. That's the guy in <laughs> Philly I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about. Right? I'm laughing because you're, you're overlooking the obvious. Uh, oh, they're the all guy? relievers. Except oh, okay. for Except for Otani. Yeah, okay. I didn't get that. that. That's a good point to make. Uh, I thought we were going to do starting pitchers, and I would have. I thought you were going to make me guess. I would have been like Corbin, Cole, and stuff like that, or pretty much anybody on the Astros. But yes, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, that's just incredible. I mean, Otani's got a, a whiff rate that's right up there with Edwin Diaz and Adam Adovino. You know, they're, they've been pretty insane so far this season. Uh, and, and Otani as a starter going all those additional innings, and, and he's right there with them. It's, it's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing, but I think we're going to get a, you know, everybody, a lot of people always like to point out the matchup with the starting pitcher. Well, tonight, and it's unfortunate for me who has a time in a couple of leagues, he would have had Kansas City on Sunday and then San Francisco this upcoming Sunday. But now he's got Boston. So this is, yeah. you know, this is going to be a test. Well, definitely, definitely, and might be hard for him to get a win because you got David Price going for the Red Sox, so he's not just got the opposing hitters to contend with, but uh, a pretty good pitcher to uh, shut down an Angels lineup that that's been pretty good too. So uh, that should be a fun one. I'll uh, I'll uh, have to do my best to stay up for that. At least I'm oh, in the western definitely. half of the country; it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, no, this so, is uh, that's a nice nightcap tonight. Absolutely, yeah. So that'll be that'll be fun. And you know, the other thing with uh, Otani is I went and you know to look up his his stats on his Fangraphs page, and you know I expected to see this you know humongous crazy strikeout rate for him, and I said twenty percent. That's got to be an error. Then I realized I was looking at his hitter page. 
<laughs> how great so is that? Well, I'm sorry. I said, how great is that? He's got a hitter page I, and a pitching page. It is. It's, it's fantastic. All kinds of fun. He's turning everything upside down. So, uh, well, lots of news to get to, as always. Uh, also, a lot of standout performances, both from hitters and pitchers, uh, from uh, Monday's night, Monday night's games. I uh, Last night, I watched the, uh, the A's and the White Sox, and that was a pretty cool pitching duel. So we'll definitely talk about Daniel Mengden and Ronaldo Lopez. Pretty interesting contrast in styles in some ways with those two. Um, but I also want to uh, play a little bit of an extended game of is it the pitcher or the matchup with a few pitchers who didn't go last night um, you know, because it's getting to the, the time of year where, uh, you know, pitchers are making their, their third or fourth start. Actually, I think most of them now are on their fourth start. And uh, some trends are starting to develop, uh, but the, the samples are still small enough that, you know, one weird start can kind of throw off the whole, the whole stat line. So there's a, there's a handful of examples I want to go with, uh, take a look at and, and uh, see what you think, Matt. So before we get to any of that, though, uh, let's get to the news. And the thing that I saw uh, breaking right before we went on air, and this was expected, is that uh, JT Realmuto was activated by the Marlins. And uh, Chad Wallach was uh, optioned, I believe, to AAA because they don't really need four catchers at this point, I don't think. Uh, and I'm looking to see the Marlins lineup is not out yet. The Yankees lineup is, but nothing yet for the Marlins. But I, I'd assume Real Muto will be in it. Uh, that's, I mean, if they activated him, I would assume that as well. But wasn't there some news that he's not going to come back till the next series? I know they have the two games set with the Yankees. It would be odd for him not to play tonight, but. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Uh, there's a, a, Related piece, sort of, I guess. Um, Lewis Brinson's not going to play this series because uh, you know he's struggling big time, and so they're yeah, just going to let him kind of that, sit and I take think it they in. Need so, to give him, yeah, give him give him some playing time. Yeah, give him some time. Or give him a couple days. Let him clear his head. He's a kid, and they got to make a decision. Uh, are they going to keep him up on the big league level? Which, if they're going to do that. After this little mini mind break, you got to play him every day. You play him every day, or you give him more seasoning in the minors. I just for maybe a little confidence boost, a couple of weeks there. But I'd probably keep him up. Yeah, well, I, apparently the plan is to have him sit out this the rest of the series with the Yankees, and then bring him back for the Brewers series, maybe a little revenge series for uh, for Brinson. I don't know, but. Um... You know, so I, I, maybe it sounds like they're kind of going with a modified version of what you want to see, but just letting him sit for for a few days. And I, I, I'm not sure I could see sitting one game, maybe, maybe even two. But yeah, it seems like an odd plan. But I guess we'll we'll see if it works. <laughs> we'll see if he stays up. Uh, so yeah, uh, Brinson is is don't count on him being in the lineup. I would expect that uh, Rio Muto will be. And when we get that uh, Marlins lineup. Uh, we'll uh, we'll let you know for sure if Real Muto's in there because I'm sure in your daily leagues you're going to want to want to start him if he's in there. Uh, Anthony Rizzo is expected to come off the DL uh, today to play the Cardinals, even though they're expecting some very cold weather uh, for that one uh, at Wrigley Field. So I know when you know before they put Rizzo on the DL, they held him out for a couple of games supposedly for uh, you know caught precautionary reasons. 
That's the catchphrase the last few weeks <laughs> because of the cold weather. So I guess he must be doing all right. Yeah, no, I think it was the right move, too, putting him on the DL. It's early in the season. Uh, he's pretty much been a horse. The guy's in there every day. So, you know, it is unfortunate that all these games we're getting in uh, sub-freezing temperatures, put it that way. You know, especially in baseball in the 20s is not ideal, not what the uh, founders had set forth. <laughs> Yeah, the long long before uh, climate change or anything like that. <laughs> so, uh, good news is that the uh, Blue Jays are not only playing, they're playing too. So, apparently they got Roger Center all fixed up. Did you see those photos of the two workers on the roof of the Dome yesterday? That I did, and, you know... <laughs> Kudos to those guys, because I, I yeah. couldn't do that. I mean, I don't <laughs> yeah. know how much money would have to be deposited in my account before it could actually <laughs> go up there. And I still would have a I don't, time doing it. I don't think I have a price for that one. <laughs> no way. No way. Uh, well, uh, some other news. Uh, excuse me. Uh, just choking. Thinking about that. Uh, Will Myers is uh, beginning a rehab assignment today with Lake Elsinore in the uh, California League. And uh, according to the San Diego Union Tribune, he is expected to play two games there and then be back in the Padres lineup on Friday. So let's definitely keep tabs on that one. Uh, Christian Yelich, uh, he, uh, uh, this is now according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, plan for him is to have two or three days of full pregame activity before uh, he gets activated. Uh, so that would also bring him back probably around the same timetable as Will Myers uh, by the weekend, I would think. So that Could I uh, that's ask your Will Myers question to you. Well, of course. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of surprised he's back so quick with this injury. Uh, the question then becomes, what does the Padres do? Can you foresee a Jose Perella actually going back to second base and playing some second base? See, I yeah, I'm the worst person to ask about this. I've got way too much cognitive dissonance <laughs> because I literally own. Franchi Cordero, I think, in every league. I'm with you, Al. I'm with you. I mean, I've never, I like, you know, if I own a player in like half of my leagues, that's extreme. I think I own Cordero in every single league. <laughs> I'm playing it, 10 leagues. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I can handle the truth to, you know, kind of <laughs> channel Jack Nicholson there. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping very strongly that Jose Perella goes to second base. And yet there is a part of me that, that thinks that, uh, Maybe they send Cordero back down, but I sure hope not. I don't think he's going down. I, I think he's the kind of player that they need. That Jose Perello deserves to play too, and they're high on him as well. But Cordero is a guy that can do things for them that not a lot of other players on that team can do. Yeah, and I think they're going to try to make this work. I mean, everything you heard right before his, right before he was getting called up. Yes, Myers was on the DL, but they were anxious to get him in the lineup. He was assumed to possibly have a spot on the roster prior to getting injured in uh, spring training. So I think they're going to try and keep their best players on, and we'll see how quickly Manny Margot heals. Yeah, well, uh, you know, that's that's all. You know, I think those are all good points. And, you know, sort of what I skipped over in saying that he'd get sent down is I think the plan out of spring training was for him to be a fourth outfielder. Or that, that actually kind of looked like the worst-case scenario. So maybe they, they try to work some sort of rotation, um, you know, which isn't great, but better than getting sent down. So 
Uh, and also, the timing's not great because the Padres are uh, facing a bunch of lefties this week, and Cordero hasn't, and the minors hit lefties all that well. So I worried, like, oh, great, he's going to you know, hit a slump right at the time when they're going to have a roster crunch. So that occurred to me, too. Yeah, that'd be unfortunate if, if he did get yeah. sent down, because I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah. Well, we, we shall see. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely waiting with bated breath on that one, to be sure. Uh, Anthony Rendon is still day-to-day. He uh, fouled a ball off of his toe. Uh, I think it was back over the weekend. And uh, it, there's a Masson report uh, where Davey Martinez was asked if it's a DL situation, and he said not yet, which to me is kind of you know being in, in purgatory when he says not yet. It's not a flat-out no. <laughs> but uh, I guess that that puts it in the equation, possibly, that Anthony Rendon could go on the DL. Uh, and better news for the Nationals, uh, Martinez is optimistic that Adam Eaton uh, may be activated as soon as this Friday. That also, according to Masson. Uh, uh, it's good that this is not a Nando Thursday, Matt, because this would make Nando very sad. Uh, Jerks and Profar left Monday's game at Tampa Bay early after uh, – uh, a play, it's around second base there where he, he sort of uh, got upended by Malik Smith. And uh, so he is now a concussion protocol and could go on the concussion or the, the regular 10-day DL. Yeah, when I heard of this incident last night, I was a bit concerned because I bought Profar in one league and Malik Smith was available in another and I had just lost Kevin Kiermaier in that league, so... I bid like 22%, and I did get Malik Smith, and I was like, oh, God, both these guys are going to be out. Hopefully, it is not serious, uh, and well, I guess we're going to have to wait for further news. Yeah, now I didn't see anything about Smith from the video I saw. It didn't look like he was you know, necessarily hurt, but um, yeah, obviously, that would be a, a big blow as well. Um, I, you know, I thought about, we'll talk about Smith a little bit later because he had yet another big game, mm-hmm. but I, I was this close. I had my, my finger on the, the, the mouse uh, to, you know, click the, the transaction button. And I was going to drop Jonathan VR in a league for Malik Smith. Would you have done that? Mm, see, I, I do think VR has that upside if he gets hot, that ballpark. But that defense is terrible. Uh, in a 12-team league, that's maybe. I, I Look, Malik Smith is going to get played. I don't see how he doesn't now. I mean, I thought he would get it even with Kiermaier, but this all but ensures it. And if he gets 400 plate appearances, I think the minimum he walks away with is, from this point on, is 20 stolen bases, possibly 30-plus. Uh, uh, the stolen base percentage hasn't been great at two stolen bases and five attempts. Yep. But hopefully, you know, that's just something that happened and he'll be better going forward. Villar, it would be tough for me to 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 cut Villar, but I I think it's I think it's fair cuz Villar hasn't made the improvements that we were kind of hoping when he was talking about the Joey Votto videos he was watching and all that stuff. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't do it, but, I, you know, I, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see. It was really, really I tough call. It's, it's not an easy choice. I mean, it's not an easy decision to make. Yeah, and it's a points format, too, and Smith is barely striking out at all. So, uh, And, of course, VR strikes out a lot. So well, that would change for me. In the points, <laughs> okay. in the points like where I'm going to get penalized for those strikeouts, uh, I'd be more ready to do it. Put that All right. 
I may have to go back after the show. <laughs> Another interesting development for the uh, Rangers, they uh, picked up Renato Nunez off of waivers from the A's. They tried to slip him through waivers and, and uh, were not successful. And Rangers added him to their 25-man roster on Monday and optioned Ryan Rua. And Nunez went one for four in his Rangers debut. So potential power source there uh, for Nunez who uh, can play third base, can play the outfield. So uh, that gives them some flexibility. Not sure if that helps them that much with the Profar situation, but uh, hopefully uh, it would be nice to see Nunez get some uh, get some playing time there with the Rangers. So well, we got uh, quite a bit more news to get to here, including a uh, Glaber Torres update. Probably not the one you're hoping to hear. Uh, we've got is it the pitcher or is it the matchup coming up? And, of course, lots of big-time performances for Monday's games to slice and dice. So, uh, Matt, uh, you and I will be right back right after this break. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fancy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fancy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and it is a Tuesday with Modica. So Matt Modica is with me here for this whole show. So, uh, Matt, we got a lot to get back to and actually uh, found a couple of uh, updates just over the break here. Uh, This from Chuck Garfeen of uh, NBC Sports Chicago. That White Sox prospect, Ryan Cordell, is expected to miss a minimum of eight weeks after suffering a broken clavicle, uh, he's down with the Triple A Charlotte. So uh, that's that's some tough news for a player that I think uh, some people were were uh, anxiously awaiting a call up for. And uh, Greg Bird just saw an update on him that he is uh, pleased with his progress uh, and that he is uh, on track still to come back around late May. And in other Yankees news, I alluded to this before the break. Uh, this according to the Scranton Times-Tribune, that uh, Glaber Torres was taken out early uh, from the AAA Scranton-Wilkes-Bar game last night, but it wasn't because he's being called up. It's because he was experiencing some, some tightness. So a little bit of an injury situation there for Glaber Torres. I have no other information uh, on how serious that is, if he'll be you know back in their lineup again. But uh, if you were, got excited uh, seeing he was pulled early, it's it's not actually really good news. I was... I was extremely excited, Al. I was. Uh, <laughs> I picked him up Sunday night in one of my uh, auction leagues. He became available. I went aggressively after him. He's batting like three eighty. Uh, they had him playing third the last few games exclusively. 
And I am assuming before last night's news that the call-up is eminent. So hopefully this was just a precaution. He's back in the lineup, if not today, tomorrow. And I would think in the next, within the next week, he's he's actually on the Yankees roster. Yeah, well, and I yeah, I'm hopeful too. And in fact, this weekend, I made a trade in Tout Wars with Fred Zinke, Trader Fred, and I traded away Scott Kingery. And part of what made that easier to do was thinking that Torres would be up by the end of the week. Yeah, so, I can see that. Hopefully, you got a nice return for uh, Scott Kingery. Well, I yeah, uh, I mean Kingery probably arguably is the best player in the deal, but I got three players back. Uh, I got Yuli Gurriel, uh, who actually I think in terms of overall value is probably pretty similar to Kingery. Uh, and I just I needed a little bit more corner infield um, power. And great, I understand that Kingery may get eligibility a whole bunch of places, uh, but I really need power in that league. <laughs> Uh, and then I also got Tyler Flowers, who, when he comes off the DL, is going to be my best catcher. And uh, Brett Suter, who I really like and has two starts this week, although the first one was sort of mediocre. Yeah, Flowers I picked up uh, on waivers as well this week. Somebody, you know, a 15th. Oh, nice, nice. Even though he's still on the DL, he's better than somebody that's really going to hurt you. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, and speaking of catchers, uh, Manny Pena has gone on the DL with the strained calf, and Brewers have called up Jacob, the Sheriff of Nottingham, and uh, I'm sure he never gets tired of being called that. Uh, <laughs> Some Mariners news. Uh, uh, ben Gamble's uh, going to play another game or two with Triple A Tacoma. Mike Zunino. Uh, could be back in a couple of days. He's uh, in the California League right now uh, doing a rehab stint. And Rosma Ramirez is uh, scheduled to make a rehab start for AAA Tacoma tomorrow. Uh, Jason Vargas, he struck out 12 batters in six innings of an intra-squad game, uh, played in Port St. Lucie, and then he'll just need to take his regular five days rest. He threw 82 pitches in that intra-squad game. Uh, so he could be back by the end of the month for the Mets, the targeting uh, San Diego series on the uh, that starts on the 27th for Jason Vargas. Matt Duffy left Monday's game uh, against the Rangers with right hamstring tightness. He's considered day-to-day. Jed Jerko and Luke Gregerson were activated by the Cardinals yesterday. The A's activated Chad Pinder and sent Franklin Barreto down. And that, uh, I think it's all caught up finally. So... Uh, we can uh, move on to uh, a little bit of is it the pitcher or is it the matchup? But before I do that, uh, just a quick reminder uh, that you can dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer with Daily Roto's MLB projections and Optimizer. Go to DailyRoto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all the very same tools and projections that Millionaire Maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. The tools don't just work for football. This is the same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings Live final finish. So head on over to DailyRoto.com slash premium, save 10% with the promo code FNTSY, and see the results for yourself. All right, Matt. So uh, I don't know if I've done. I think I've done this with you on the show, where I you know, talk about a, a particular performance and say, was it the pitcher or was it the matchup? Usually, you know, when a pitcher is much better or worse than we expect. So I'm going to go a little 
sort of macro with this and not just look at one performance, but in some cases, you know, two or three performances. Start with Chris Archer, who I was very big on in drafts, thought he'd have a better season this year, and, and so far it's been worse. <laughs> uh, a lot of walks for him. He seems like he's sort of regressed in terms of control. But two of the teams he's faced are the Phillies and the Yankees, who respectively rank second and fourth in walk rate. So are you taking the matchup into consideration, or are you putting this all on Chris Archer? I think it's definitely a bit of both. Uh, I mean, Archer's ERA indicators every year are just so enticing. The strikeouts. The problem is, you know, it's. I think it's more of the left-handers just really – beating him down, and he's got to solve this issue. Uh, I think they're slugging over 800. The wall was like 550 or something like that. So I think this is a very talented pitcher. Yes, the Yankees lineup is uh, intimidating. And uh, even though even the Phillies lineup, they do have a very good lineup. Some, uh, some good hitters in there, some patient hitters. So, uh, I mean, I'm not giving up on Archer. In the leagues I play in, I can't anyway. There's no trading. But if I own Archer, you know, you got to look at the long game here. It's, you know, it's unfortunate right now. Some of these uh, pitchers have five ERAs. I looked at Louis Castillo last night. I watched that game. Somehow Jorge uh, Jorge Lopez got a double. I don't understand how that happened. But you <laughs> you just got to be patient with these pitchers. Go, trust the track record. Trust the time. Just to point out, last year after April ended, Guys like Matt Kane, Justin Vargas, Mike Leake were among the ERA leaders in baseball. They were top 10. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, the, the potential is clearly there. I mean, the, you know, the apparent regression in terms of control is a little concerning. Also, just the giving up of, of a lot of extra base hits when he is allowing contact. Uh, you know, that's something, too. And it's kind of harder for me to explain that one away. But, I, I you know, your your bigger point of playing the longer game, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll buy into that here. There is not so much of a longer game, however, for Sean Newcomb at the major league level. And um, he's, uh, you know, he's had persistent control issues. Uh, but he's also been a bit of a fly ball guy, which, you know, concerns me. So it's, you know, in a way, it's sort of like uh, Sean Newcomb represents sort of the the worst of what we might expect from Chris Archer, which is he'll, you you know, he'll get the strikeouts, but he might still clog up the bases with walks and, uh, you know, give up a bunch of home runs. But by all appearances, he's a ground ball pitcher now, but it's really based on, on it's skewed by one start against the Rockies who rank fourth in ground ball percentage. So do you think there's something there for Sean Newcomb or, or was it the, just the one matchup against the Rockies? Uh, I'm a fan of Sean Newcomb. Uh, I took him late in a lot of drafts. Look, there's two sides to the sword here. As you said, control has always been an issue with him, but the strikeout potential is also real. And the other factor is one start can greatly skew numbers right now. And you're 100% right to point that out. Uh, is he a ground ball pitcher right now? I don't know about that. I don't know if I can commit to that. On after, like, say, three starts. But I think this is a pitcher that I'm willing to uh, gamble on. I'd like to have on my team for the upside. You do not want an extreme fly ball pitcher in uh, SunTrust Park. That's definitely not ideal. The fact that he's left-handed helps because the left-handed hitters 
to have an advantage at SunTrust Park. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I'm going to break into our game a little bit here, Matt, because uh, I just got word after the last segment saying Christian Yelich might be back by this weekend. He was just activated. Really? <laughs> yeah. I had him in and I took him out yesterday. I said, I got a feeling they're going to activate him. Okay, well, at least he's back. I'm happy about that. Well, he's uh, there is no Brewers lineup yet, but I just saw a tweet that he's uh, not going to be in the lineup. The Marlins lineup is out, and JT Romuto is in it. So, um, and I believe I also saw that. Uh, see if I can find it real quick. That uh, uh, Ryan Braun will be in the. Yes, Ryan Braun will be in the lineup. So, a whole was bunch there of, any word about Eric Thames going to the DL? Uh, let me see real quick I think that might here. Be, I mean, after what happened on Sunday, which was unfortunate because he got the Reds, he got three righties lined up at home, and he gets banged up. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I will check on that real quick because that's, that's uh, you know, would be uh, definitely impactful. And uh, what I'm seeing from one source here, but it's not a verified source, is that uh, – uh, Thames is, is healthy, but I don't know. Okay. So I'm, I'm not seeing anything that he's he's been DL'd. So that's good. But well, maybe is. I can check check up on that during the break. So, uh, well, let, let's resume here. <laughs> Kyle Hendricks has been disappointing so far. Uh, and the, the, the strikeouts are down. The walks are up a bit. Uh, and he's faced a couple of teams in the Marlins and the Pirates who have been among the best in the majors in terms of making contact on pitches in the strike zone. So uh, I know that a lot of people are kind of skeptical of Hendricks as a strikeout pitcher. So I, I, I see this as one of the harder situations to interpret. But do you, you think he bounces back uh, because these were tough matchups for him? Or do you think uh, you know that we, we shouldn't expect uh, – Hendricks to get many strikeouts. I think he'll bounce back a bit. I mean, what are your expectations of Kyle Hendricks? That's first off. But the one thing that's very encouraging for me, like last season I thought he was the ideal number two pitcher, and then he was throwing 85 all of last year, and that was scared the hell out of me. This year he's back up to like 87. And why I really didn't go after Hendricks this year is the margin of error has become so narrow. That he has, he knows how to pitch. He is a good pitcher. But you pointed out correctly, the Pittsburgh Pirates have been hitting everybody. They they really have. Kudo, I don't know how long it's going to last, but you got to give you got to give it to them. They've made contact uh, pretty much against everybody they face. I watched the game versus Luis Castillo, so I'm not going to hold that against Hendricks. Well, and I should also point out something too that this might sound like sort of a cherry picked stat. And especially when you're talking about the Marlins and the Pirates, you know, the Marlins, you know, probably nobody's idea of a big offensive threat. But I, I picked uh, zone contact percent for Hendricks because the way that he does get his strikeout rate boosted to, you know, a decent level is that he freezes batters. So, it, you know, if, if batters are, are swinging and connecting on him in the zone, that kind of takes away his kryptonite. No, no, that's that's uh, that's a very good point. And it's, uh, you know, it's much higher than in years past. But I, I do think he is a good pitcher. Uh, I think, you know, also, I mean, the weather has just been god-awful. I mean, I, you have to take this into consideration with most of the pitchers this year, especially the ones that are pitching on the East Coast or the Midwest. It, 
really does, you know, if you can't grip the ball the the correct way or to to its maximum ball, you know, you don't have the feel. That does, you know, determine maybe your pitch you're missing by an inch or two, and that's all the difference right there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, like you said, the margin the margin of error for Hendricks uh, has always been a little bit slim, and so it's gotten a little slimmer. <laughs> uh, last one we'll look at is Tyler Anderson. This is a guy I've been sort of fascinated with going back to 2016. Uh, has had consistently high whiff rates. Strikeouts haven't always been there because of being sort of the anti-Kyle Hendricks, that he gets a, lot, a ton of swings. Uh, so not many called strikes, but a lot of swinging strikes. The, the strikeouts have been there so far for Taylor, Tyler Anderson. He's also uh, been an extreme fly ball pitcher, which you know is not what you want from your Rockies pitchers. But he's also one of the leaders uh, in terms of low average exit velocity. So everything's clicking for him, except he's walking too many batters over these first few starts. But two of his opponents have been the Diamondbacks and the Nationals, who are two of the most selective offenses in the major leagues. So is he just that one step away from from being a must-start pitcher where the walks are going to come down and, and literally everything's going to be working for him? I, I think you are correct to state that you've been fascinated by him. <laughs> he, no, he does offer. He does offer a lot of nice traits. And even like last season before the injuries piled up, and I know going into last year there were some people that really liked him. And I, I like him too. But it's just so hard. I mean, outside of John Gray, right now I'm not able to commit to any Rockies pitcher, to be honest with you. I mean, I, as a starter, I just can't do it. Maybe it's just a, a mental thing. The problem right now, and as you pointed out with these two teams being very selective, his first pitch strike has dipped like pretty much 8%. That's a big dip. Yeah. And it could be based on facing those two, the swinging strike percentage is actually up on, uh, is, is up this year. So, I mean, there are things to like with him. I think he is kind of a fascinating. He's the type of guy like, say, Tyler Chatwood, who left and went to the Cubs. If he left uh, Colorado, I would really want to own this guy. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, Chatwood's been okay so far, and uh... – yeah, yeah, I mean, that certainly would, would add to the appeal of, uh, of Tyler Anderson. So, uh, well, let me uh, check in with a few lineups here, Matt, because uh, you asked about the Brewers. That one is out now, that full lineup. Thames is batting second, so uh, he's fine. Braun batting third. Uh, and no Jocelyn VR. Eric Sogard batting sixth and uh, playing second base. Uh, for the Mets, both Yohannes Cespedes and Jay Bruce are back. Uh, no Brandon Nimmo. Uh, for the Reds, Jesse Winker is back and batting second uh, with Billy Hamilton leading off. And uh, let me just take, because these are I'm just kind of looking at these on the fly here. Let's see what's going on with the uh, Phillies. Anything interesting to there? No Kingery in the lineup today uh, facing Mike Fulton-Nevich and the Braves. Otherwise looking like a pretty usual. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Nick Williams is in there batting fifth. So no Aaron Altair. So, uh, all right. And weather shouldn't be an issue, by the way, anywhere, although it's going to be really, really cold in Detroit. So I guess watch that one. But, uh, well, we're going to head into break. And when we come back, so many standout performances to get to. We will somehow cram them all in to our final segment. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? 
or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Fan or No, you are not. <laughs> Sorry, you're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Old habits die really hard, I guess. Uh, Fantasy Baseball Hour, and it's uh, also Tuesdays with Modica. Uh, so, Matt, I was just looking at the uh, Orioles lineup that is out now. Uh, Orioles and Tigers lineups, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Tigers lineups. It's it's accidentally labeled as Red Sox, which is why I just stumbled there. But uh, Chris Tillman listed among the Orioles relievers. I've been sort of anticipating this and hoping that uh, my guy Miguel Castro might get a shot at the rotation. But somehow I think probably it's Mike Wright. Or maybe not. Uh, Matt, are you with us? Yes, I am. Sorry about that. I had it on mute for a second. and I that's, how, that's the best way to listen to the show, really. <laughs> uh, my apologies <laughs> with that. But, yeah, no, I would give Castro a shot. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm not as high as you and Nando are on him, but I do think he deserves <laughs> a chance to see what they have with him. I mean, Chris Tillman, it's, it's absurd that this guy's even on the team, to be honest with you. Well, I understand why they signed him. You know, it was a, a you know, a bargain signing, and and you know there was the hope that he could bounce back, but it just hasn't looked that way at all so far. Uh, also, looking on the Tigers uh, lineup here, Nico Goodrum starting in left field, so I'm mildly excited about that. Seeing him as part of that uh, left field rotation. All right, well, let's uh, go back in time all the way to last night and take a look at a bunch of performances. The the Yankees uh, beat up on the Marlins, uh, so a whole bunch of great performances there. Didi Gregorius with a uh, two-homer game. I think that's his second of the year, if my memory serves. That's and, correct. Uh, yeah, he has five homers on the year. I wrote a piece for Fantrax about a week ago basically laying out why I find Gregorius's power hitting possibly the most confusing statistical trend to baseball because nothing about it adds up, even if you take the park factor into effect. Um, it, nothing about it makes sense, and yet here he is with five home runs already with less than three weeks into the season. Has he, hasn't he become, uh, I mean, as we say, in this small sample, isn't he hitting a ton more fly balls, though? Last time I looked, he is, but I'm – I'm kind of discounting that. Uh, and again, you know, we could come back two or three weeks from now and say, well, Gregorius is a different hitter and the mysteries of 2016, 2017 are not really relevant anymore. But, you know, for now, I mean, I got to look at that longer track record. And I mean, he's hit, you know, almost up to this level of power without the fly ball rate, without the hard contact rate or the exit velocity or anything that would indicate that he's a, you know, 20 to 25 homer hitter. I, yeah, but see, in this day and age, I think pretty much everybody is. And he, last two years, 20, 25, uh, I don't see it going below 20. I just don't. And I think 25 or maybe more is, is the new norm for him. And he just turned 28, too. So, Sure. I mean, and, and so maybe that kind of um, progression that you talked about where, you know, he is 
lifting the ball more. Maybe that's that is going to be a legitimate uh, adjustment that sticks for him. But yeah, I don't know because even again, if you compare apples to apples, the, the the comparison that I made in the pieces, he his profile is actually very very similar to that of Jorge Polanco, who had a little bit of a power breakout in the second half of last year, but still finished with, I think it was thirteen homers or fourteen something like that. So that that just it seems like Gregorius maybe should be in the mid teens instead of the mid twenties. Yeah, well, the one thing that's really encouraging early on is this. Uh, strikeout to walk ratio. I mean, he's almost walking twenty percent of the time, and striking out just over five percent of the time. Yeah, again, if that holds, that's you know that's another sign. Uh, sort of shades of uh, Zach Cozart last year, and that and that stuck for him. So, you know, definitely uh, something to watch. And even even if I don't have a a rational explanation, at some point, if he just keeps doing it. You know, I, I'm going to believe until I figure it out one way or the other. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned Greg Bird uh, still on track to come back in about a month and a half. Meanwhile, Tyler Austin doing pretty well, batting 289. He had his third and fourth doubles against the Marlins in that game and in the starting lineup for the Yankees tonight. Uh, they're uh, facing, uh, who is it? Uh, Harlan Garcia, who's a lefty. But uh, do you think that... Uh, Tyler Austin is, is appropriately owned? I think it's uh, kind of appropriately owned because he's perfect against the lefties, and you have other bats you could put in there if you want to kind of platoon him and stuff like that. Uh, his longevity, sustainability is actually the word I should say. I'm not sure of yet. I think it's more of an unknown right now. And he's going to have you know a month to – kind of show what he can do before Greg Bird comes back and if Greg Bird can ever stay healthy. Yeah, that's a big if. Well, we talked about Malik Smith earlier, another four-hit game for him. Uh, he's had a couple of those uh, just within, I think, about the last week or so. Hit his uh, second double uh, of the season. So a little bit more power from Smith so far in the early going. He's hitting 409. That's obviously regression bound. <laughs> but this is sort of what I've alluded to before was uh, comparing him and Jonathan B.R., uh, Smith has struck out five times in 49 plate appearances, which is a superb ratio. He's pulling the ball just 23% of the time, where the norm is typically around 40. So he's using the whole field, and he's already got four infield hits. And he is, of course, you know, a speedy player that you would expect to get a lot of infield hits. But you know, at that rate, I mean, he's probably going to be one of the leaders. And again, you know, it, it, I know it's silly to talk about rates when we're 10% through the season, but. Again, he profiles as the, the type of hitter that probably could be among the major league leaders in infield hits. So there's there's really a lot of potential there for Smith to be a high batting average guy if uh, if these trends hold. And he's uh, 54% owned in fan tracks, which has very high ownership rates, a lot of deeper leagues. CBS, kind of the same deal. He's only 32% owned there. And in ESPN, again, shallower leagues typically, uh, very, very uh, widely available. Only 16% owned there. So uh, how how deep, or I should say, how shallow do you go to get Malik Smith? Probably 12-team for now, but uh, I think he's going to be a source of stolen bases. Like I pointed out earlier, you can't be two for five in stolen base attempts when you have his speed. It's early. Hopefully this is a correctable thing. And it's just more of an anomaly than anything. But 
with Kevin Kiermaier gone for up to possibly 13 weeks, minimum probably eight weeks, he, I thought, was going to play anyway. Now it's kind of cemented that he's going to play. And I think at some point soon he's going to move up in the order. And I really don't want him hitting home runs, I'm going to be honest with you, because I don't want him getting that home run swing that some of these speed guys get and then they try and hit home runs. I want him stealing bases. I purchased him for $221 in FAB this week on the team wow. that I had Kiermaier. Uh, somebody dropped him, uh, I guess, last week. And I was looking to get him even when I had Kiermaier. And the fact that Kiermaier went down and it looked like he was going to be for a while, I made sure to get him. Yeah, well, definitely uh, move fast out there, especially uh... – you know, in, in uh, CBS leagues where or fan tracks uh, where could could be widely owned very very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Villanueva, I've talked about him a lot, so I don't really want to belabor the point. But uh, a three hit game for him, his sixth home run against the Dodgers on Monday. He's hitting three thirty three, which to me is just funny because he's got a sixty eight percent pull rate and fifty four percent fly ball rate. So he's kind of a, a you know cartoon version of the sort of hitter he's been in the minors, uh, just a go for power kind of hitter. Uh, I'll buy the power. Uh, I'm not going to buy a Babbitt that's over 400 though, for for Villanueva. Uh, but another player in, in sort of a similar mold is Trevor Story. He's he hit his fourth home run last night. He's only batting 200 though, and for another team, maybe I would expect him to have a really low Babbitt, but. He plays half his games in Coors Field, makes a lot of hard contact. Do you think uh, Story's a, a buy-low candidate? Uh, sure. I mean, I don't think he's going to bat 200. I think rest of the season, though, I don't think he's really going to bat higher than 250. But can he hit another 25 home runs? Can he steal another 7 to 10 bases? Yes. So that's kind of appealing. If you say 25 and 10 with a 250 average rest of the year, I'd sign on for that. Yeah, and I, I think that's very realistic. Uh, maybe even a few more stolen bases. So, uh, As Dribble Cabrera with a four-hit game, he's red hot. He now has four home runs. He's batting three fifty six. The thing is, you know, unlike a Trevor Story or a Christian Villanueva, Cabrera's been around a long time now. So uh, is there any reason to think he's a different player now than he's been, say, the last three years? No, I think the one thing you got to consider is – he usually plays like that 130 to 140 games every year. It's been that way consistently for like the last four years. So he's already played, what, 15 games. So at some point, he's probably going to have a DL stint. It's just, just what happens with his dribble Cabrera. I'm happy that the Mets re-upped him. Because uh, when he's on the field, he's a good player. He's shown that time and time again. Yeah, I think still somehow underrated. Even playing in New York and uh, having a few good seasons back-to-back, uh, I think he doesn't quite get, uh, at least in fantasy circles, the the credit he deserves. Uh, sticking with the Mets and, and moving on to pitching, uh, DeGrom was de- DeGrominant again. Uh, 12 strikeouts against the Nationals, uh, 7.1 innings, uh, three runs on six hits and a walk. Uh, is he? I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to say uh, at this point, but... Uh, is is he has he you know gone up that step where he's you know knocking on the door of the the big four? Uh, I I think so. I had him at seven, uh, the big four, then Strasburg, Syndergaard, uh, uh, just because of Syndergaard stuff. But he's right there for me. I mean, he's been there except for that injury he had at the end of uh, was it uh, sixteen that last uh, five or six weeks, and he had those three awful starts. 
He's just been consistently dominant, as you say. He really is a very good pitcher. He gets you the strikeouts. He's lethal at home. Uh, I mean, I really don't know what there isn't to like. And at about 9.30 last night, the world was wonderful. I had the Grom. I had Louis Castillo going. There was like uh, maybe one run allowed on that Bryce Harper crazy home run. And then everything fell apart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the, the unfortunately they, they play the full nine. Yes. You know, uh, barring weathers. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, you know, I, I thought the same thing with Castillo too last night. Uh, wound up, but with that, such a great line uh, six and two thirds, four runs on five hits, three walks, but eight strikeouts against the, the Brewers. So I found it encouraging, though. That, oh, he uh, pitched. He, he pitched much better than that line. Yes, yeah. it was a little bit of a watered down Brewers lineup. I, I, I know people will, will point that out. But if you watch that game, I had both games going. And if you were watching Castillo pitch, the movement on his pitches was there. There was no denying that. So I really don't care who was in the baddest box last night. So uh, I did not watch that one. Uh, the game I was mostly watching was uh, White Sox and A's. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, how did Brent Suter look to you, though? Uh, he looked to be getting hit around a lot. I wasn't paying that much attention when he was pitching. I was more focusing <laughs> on the Met game yep. when he would – uh, when it was his turn on the mound, I was very attentively watching Louis uh, Castillo. Uh, I mean, Suter to me, I think the jeopardy here is uh, Brandon Woodruff. Because if he gets kind of his act together in the minors, mm-hmm. I think he might be a better pitcher. I, I, or have more upside. I don't yeah, know if he's I, better at this point. Yeah, but I can't argue at all with, with that. Um, so, you know, Suter's, Suter's crafty, uh, you know, and I, I like that. But um, <laughs> uh, it sounds like you watch these games the same way that I do. Uh, so uh, we'll get back to that White Sox-A's uh, game. I had no, uh, you know, no uh, rooting interest there. I don't own uh, Ronaldo Lopez or Daniel Mangden, but they both look terrific to me. And uh, I don't know if you caught any of that one. Lopez struck out 10 in six innings. Mangden, uh, six in eight innings. Uh, which is, you know, kind of consistent with, you know, their track records. Mengden, you know, more of a uh, pitch-to-contact to guy, uh, has not walked very many batters. Lopez did walk four. But my perception just from watching it was that they both kind of worked the edges a lot, but that Lopez, when he missed, he missed by a lot. And then today in the aftermath, I went and looked at the, you know, the scatter plots uh, for the both pitchers, and – Mengden had a whole bunch of little dots right around the edge and Lopez had those, but he also had, you know, a bunch that were like way outside and way low. And, you know, so I think that's, you know, that's pretty representative of, um, you know, how they work, but uh, you know, so Lopez could be the better strikeouts guy, but I don't know. Mengden might actually be the more valuable guy. So how, how do you like either of them? Uh, I definitely like Lopez more. I'm uh more on the Ronaldo Lopez uh, bandwagon here. He pretty much scrapped the curveball, went with the slider. The changeup uh, usage, he cut in half. He's throwing around 95, 96. The thing that's odd, as you say, when he misses, he misses a lot. I didn't watch this one. I was watching uh, Paxton Keuchel, and I kept my focus on that one. But what's kind of crazy here is he's got a 66% First pitch strike. And, you know, he's got a five, like over five walks per nine. So I 
I think maybe if he can get it a little, you know, not missing as drastically, it could really improve his game. Uh, I like him a lot more. I think Megden is really only 15-team viable. Uh, Lopez is 12 and 15 viable. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, the walks will worry me a bit with Lopez, but you can see that there's sort of a bias here. I don't own him. I don't own Newcomb. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe to my detriment, uh, Blake Snell, you, know, you could also maybe put him in that category, but he finished last season with uh, a much better walk rate. Didn't walk any Rangers last night in six, uh, six and a third. And he did get nine strikeouts. So I'm feeling a little silly at this point for having cut Snell, uh, in one of my leagues where, you know, I he, the, the control wasn't there early on. I'm like, oh, back to old Blake Snell. See you later. Yeah, I think it might have been a little too. Uh, you know, you might have you might have uh, held back a little on that one. But I mean, it's I don't know what your rotation was. Maybe you have that league. You would just. But he did make the adjustments as you pointed out. Second half of last year, there is a lot of talent with him. I mean, I know right now. His, you know, on this small sample, the BABIP is like around 200, and he's got like an unsustainable left-on-base percentage. But this is a talented young pitcher, you know, and if he does unlock the control, really good things could be ahead. Absolutely. I thought we saw that last year uh, for sure. Uh, and by the way, it is a pretty shallow league where I dropped him, and I dropped him to pick up Mike Miner, so. Um, okay. for whatever that's worth. All right, well, we've only got, I think, uh, yeah, actually just seconds left. I wanted to ask you about Aaron Nola's start. I'm very worried about him. Only a, uh, I am concerned as, as a big Aaron Nola. The, when you do the deep dive right now, uh, you know, it's just the swing and miss is like, the swing and strike percentage is like six and a half. I don't yeah, know what to say it's about bad. that. <laughs> well, I'm actually I'm going to write about it tomorrow for a rotograph, so I'll, I'll have plenty of time between now and then to uh, to do the deep dive. But uh, anyhow, we are out of time here, Matt. Matt. So uh, thank you again for making this a uh, Tuesday with Modica. And uh, <laughs> always a pleasure, Matt. So uh, anyways, folks, have a great day. See you here, same time, same place, tomorrow. Mm-hmm.